hockey. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Indeed it is Judd's Hockey Show. In part because uh, the Wild is back in action now. They played on uh, Wednesday night in Chicago. We will get to to that game. Uh, But let's first off, AJ Fredrickson, who joins me now. It's Declan on Wednesdays with Jesse Pierce. And, of course, AJ predominantly the rest of the time does a fantastic job. Let's get to uh, the storyline that I find to be intriguing for Friday night. And this is going to be a season in which I don't think there's going to be a ton of storylines at the X. There's not going to be a ton of big games there. Um, but this is pretty cool. Mark andre Fleury, before the Wild host, the Penguins on Friday at the X, is going to be honored on Mark andre Fleury night. First of all, for uh, getting to 1,000 games played in goal in the National Hockey League, which is absolutely incredible. And then the second for securing his uh, 552nd career win to move past Patrick Waugh for the second most all-time among goaltenders. Uh, both of those accomplishments done earlier this season. And so he's going to be honored against the team, of course, that drafted him first overall against the team that he won Stanley Cups with. Uh, Pittsburgh, he's still got a bunch of friends there. Uh, Sidney Crosby, um, Chris Letang, a bunch of the old-timers who are still with Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to this just because, AJ, again, this sort of continues on what we've discussed previously, but that's the fact that, yes, he, he is going to having uh, end up having spent a small time in his career here, but Marc-Andre Fleury, to see all of this, I know he doesn't necessarily enjoy it. He's a good guy, so I'm sure he appreciates it. Yeah. But, you know, you're about to play a game. I'm guessing he's going to start in net, and they're they're honoring you beforehand. A lot of goalies don't like that. Uh, but it's very, very cool, in my opinion, to see a guy's career play out. Uh, and if he spent his whole career here, that would be awesome. But with the Pittsburgh people in town, I still think that this is a very special thing. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredibly special. I mean, l- like you said, for you have some guys that are skaters who maybe relish that moment a little bit more than others. They, you know, they have that personality and they maybe play more to the crowd, so to speak. Um, goalies are just so weird. And I mean that in a nice way, like they're yeah. just very, they're just naturally weird people. Um, I mean, heck look at flower for instance, he's got, he thanks his post in both English and French. Cause he right. doesn't know what they speak. He doesn't know where this, this the steel is from the iron is from. So he wants to make sure he t- uh, touches all the bases possible. But, um, yeah, so it, he, he's a very, it seems like everything I've heard, he's a humble guy, but, um, he, he kind of lets other people do the talking for him if that makes sense you know he he's yes. fantastic and everybody knows and frankly it's it's hard not to talk about how good he is but he you're never going to find him saying wow you, did you see how great i was tonight that shutout i was phenomenal you see that save of the third period to save it wow he everybody right. else is going to kind of give him the praise that uh, is very well deserved so uh, those type of ceremonies it, it's and we've talked about this before too it's a once in a lifetime type of ceremony i think for wild fans to have the opportunity to watch because a goalie does not become second all time in NHL career wins every day, every year, every no. decade. It no, is very rarely. Th- this is going to be probably the last time you see a guy get to this number. Um, they just don't play as much as they used to. I saw Mika Kippersoff. He's getting uh, his number of t- uh, retired with uh, the Flames here. And there was like an eight year stretch where he played like 68 or more games in a season. That's incredible. And It'd just be goalie- crazy. 
goalies just don't do that anymore. So to get to the, not only to the number of games he's at total over a thousand now, but to have as many wins as he does um, tonight should uh, be very special at the X, even if the team on the ice isn't so special. Yeah, let's get to that. Um, so they, they came back from, from their uh, um, break, which was 10 days when you combine the bye week and the all-star game. And by the way, what we're seeing with these products now co- coming back is why I hate the bye week. I get the all-star break. I have no problem with, with that, okay? But 10 days is too long. And now you're going to consolidate the schedule in March and April. And you're going to also have guys come back and... I know the TNT guys tried to say that after the first period in the Wilds 2-1 win against the Blackhawks was awful, that the last two periods were competitive. Uh, they were competitive, but it was not good. Um, it, that game was the poster child for why this league does not need more expansion. And we're going to get two more teams. I guess they're going to go up in, in the next like five years. They want to put in two more teams. They want to get to 34. Uh, you got... Uh, uh, I, you got... Um, um, Salt Lake City. I think Quebec's in the mix. Okay. Cincinnati is like put in. I don't know. I don't think that they're there. Cause if you put a team in Cincinnati, you're, you're going to uh, steal from Columbus, but anyway, and that's the, already a tough time for them as is. And I know Bedard's out, but the Blackhawks are awful. The Bla- it's just terrible. And yeah. the wild didn't look much, much better than <laughs> the Blackhawks. But that being said, um, I think the worst news, and it's a small thing in the big picture. I think the worst news coming back from the break is that Pat Maroon, who I think got hurt or aggravated a back problem against the Ducks in that brutal loss right before the bye started, Pat Maroon has undergone back surgery. He's out four to six weeks. Um, He might start skating before the March 8th trade deadline, but he's not going to start playing. And my hope, my hope was that you could, you know, perhaps get a third round pick you might get a sixth or seventh round pick now because he could come back at some point for a playoff team and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, But there's not a lot to peel off this, this this bird as far as trying to make deadline trades. Pat Maroon was at least a piece. And I I, age, I don't know that you can trade a guy at his age now with a back problem. Remember Gus Nyquist was traded here while hurt, but he had a shoulder and I'm pretty sure he was younger. So like this is a this is a disappointment because you know I thought, okay, get a third, potentially a third round pick. I don't know you're gonna get a damn thing now. Yeah, and the, this is like the if you're playing a game of chess, the wild already with all of the no, no move clauses and whatnot that they have scattered amongst their roster, they're starting with maybe three less pawns, only one bishop. You know, they're starting with less pieces on the board. And now losing a guy like Pat Maroon with this surgery at his age, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the name and just the veteran like seasoning probably carries a little bit of weight amongst some front offices and probably in some locker rooms, but it's not enough. Like you're saying to where you're going to get anything worthwhile. You know, you're getting pocket change if you're moving him at all, um, because you're kind of just hoping that he's going to be ready to go for some sort of uh, some sort of role towards the postseason. It, it's unfortunate. I mean, I've yeah. for for a team that has so little cards to play with, to lose one, you know, back to the deck and go fish. It's it's so tough because now that it 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 burns the spotlight a little bit brighter on a guy like Philip Gustafson, who I know some people say that's you know you still have control over him. He's got a good cap hit, 
I argue that's probably the reason why you should look to move him. Um, teams are going to need goaltending. And, you know, as, as we get down to the nitty gritty here, they're going to recognize, Hey, we really need a goaltender. We'll, we'll bump up, uh, you know, maybe that second conditional turns into a, a solid first. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, Pat Maroon probably removed fully from, uh, any sort of trade inklings, trade conversations. Um, you know, at, at his age, it's, it's unfortunate for not, not only just for him, but also for the wild franchise. Now, on the uh, subject of Philip Gustafson, who mm -hmm. faced one shot, which I think came from 150 feet away by uh, Nick <laughs> Foligno in the first period against the Blackhawks. Actually, in the last two periods, he was outstanding. He played really, really well, allowed a Foligno goal. That was it. Um, but yeah, I so I thought that he was one of the few bright spots. And, and I want your opinion here, okay? Because I know they're coming back from a break, and my contention yeah. is the break is way too long, but it's still a break. And they all go to Turks and Caicos and drink beers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they practice for two days, okay? And just as a just to start with, I honestly don't think this team is is that good. Like I think it's got some nice pieces. Kaprizov obviously favor, but I think there's a lot of dead spots here. So I'll start with that. But what is your opinion? of a team that comes back from that break has two days of hard practices. It sounds like, so they, they got him sweating. John Hines did. Yeah. I thought that that game and now the Blackhawks stink. Okay. Just they're awful. They're, they're an American hockey league team without Bedard <laughs> or I'm sorry. Yes. With, without Bedard, they're terrible, but the second period, especially, but the first period, I thought the Blackhawks had one shot because they suck. Like John Hines tried to say, well, we played well in the first period. I think that I think the Blackhawks are just awful. Um, but what was your opinion of the fact that your best players on the ice probably were Faber? Middleton played. I think he played well. Your goaltender was good. But up front. Your fourth line was your best line. How how does this happen? Now, Felino did play hard, but his line didn't play hard. His line mm -hmm. didn't play well. But, you know, much to my objection, AJ, they reunited Hartman with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and that line, Hartman missed an empty net or a, a perfect pass set up for a goal that I don't know how he missed it. Mm -hmm. um, the Erickson-Eck line, Boldy, who impressed me actually in the two losses right before the break, Boldy didn't show up. Like, he, I, I never even saw him. And Johansson glides around. I've talked about this before more than anyone. Um, I really, really thought that this was an indictment and the wild is not as bad as they played. So what's your opinion of what I thought was for the most part, far too much for a team that should be desperate of a complete or way too, way too many players giving a complete lack of effort. To your point about the the lines, how they look, before I kind of share my thoughts on the play, let yep, me run you ahead. through this. Yep. Last night, the line of Letary, Lucini, and Duhame led the way with on-ice expected goals for. So they were the most offensive prevalent line on the night. 0.811 expected goals for. So not quite one, but for a fourth line, that's pretty damn good. Yes. Second, Kaprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello, 0.454 expected goals for. Felino Rossi Goudreau, 0.241. Mm -hmm. 
I, I'd, we can maybe talk about putting Rossi on the line with Felino and Goudreau oh, oh, at yeah, some okay. point. But oh, yeah. we come to the line of Matt Boldy, Jewel Eriksson and Marcus Johansson. 0.189 expected goals for, countering that, 0.214 expected goals against. They were worse on the ice and that's the entire time. That's that with Eck out there. And I'm not faulting Eck. him. No. And I'm not going to pick on him. That shows you just how bad the guy, the, the bread of that sandwich is. The two guys on the wings, Matt yeah. Boldy and well Marcus put. Johansson, non existent. You, you, your point is exactly right. I, frankly, I, did, I don't remember recalling Matt Boldy's name being said once in the broadcast. Like he was so unnoticeable, just so transparent. So just elusive to the game last night and not in the good way. You know, he, he was nowhere to be found. I'm not even sure he, he made the trip to Chicago at this point, other than yep. his name is on the score sheet that he played in logged minutes. Um, to have that break, you come back, you, you, like you said, they, they made him sweat. They made him try to get back into some type of hockey form, which I know maybe can be tough, but these are professionals. So I want to expect you're going to be able to do that. You're playing a team. And I, I, I disagree with you. I think even with Bedard, this is an AHL team because how many okay. times do you see Bedard is obviously leagues above some players right now, but how many times do you see a guy that is very talented, maybe have to get kind of stuck in the AHL? I mean, look at Marco. I'm not comparing these two in a sense, but Marco Rossi was stuck in the AHL last year and he was just lighting it up, you know, a very good player, big impact, just on a very bad team. This, this Blackhawks team is atrocious. I, I found myself laughing at times. Oh, they're just, terrible. That that final yeah. four minutes of yes. them trying to tie the game up, no zone entry, errant passes everywhere. They're icing on their last chance up the rut. Just, just a hilarious hockey team, comical. Like It looks like an SNL skit out there for them. And you're going to just... expand this league. <laughs> you're going to give us more players who don't belong in this league? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. No, I agree with you. Uh, to... to that win is so frustrating because of all the times that you're going to have a, a game where they maybe collapse at the end and they go to overtime and now a division opponent picks up that extra point. Oh, shucks. Of course, this is the time they don't do that. The time when the team that's below you who, who just got the best player in the draft, a generational talent that is on their way to potentially getting another top end talent. With oh, they're going to get Celebrini. Oh, it, it, it's over. They're not playing at Wrigley field next year. Not to have Macklin Celebrini. That pick, that pick is in. You you, you can't tell me they're going to play the Winter Classic, which I bitched about on Wednesday show. The Winter Classic, oh. you got to win. You gave them a Winter Classic. The Blackhawks are going to be the first team in NHL history to play an entire 82-game 82, 82 regular season outdoors. It is incredible, and I know they've had a little bit of a, a break. But they and they deserved like, it one time. Yeah, and what? Yes. Kane and Tays yeah. deserved it. You know what? Absolutely. Hate them all you want. Those were great teams. This team does not deserve to even walk outdoors around a rink. It is, they, they are just so bad. That is, that is the basketball equivalent of like the Detroit Pistons are going to be put on display. Like they're, they're terrible. They're actively working against themselves, but, um, right. but, but to win this game, yes, you're not even going to, you can't even bring them up by forcing them to take a point. You went, you take two points, they get none. And you looked you, you you barely were able to do it in a sense, if you think about it, because this, this team <laughs> felt like momentum wise at one point fell behind. Like 
as soon as that Felino goal tied things up, you're like, okay, I've I've read this book before. I've watched this episode, and they before. had chances. Gustafson was outstanding. Yes, absolutely. And, but you're but you're right in the first and in the first period and the last part of the third. Watching the Blackhawks was painful. That's why I didn't think that the Wild played particularly well in the first period. I just thought the Blackhawks look they could. You're exactly right. They couldn't enter the zone. Mm-hmm. When they did, they looked completely lost. Yes. That third period attempt to tie the game, you know, how how about the Letary block of the goal with his skate because the guy shot it right in? Uh, it is it's incredible. It's incredible. But so John Hines did one thing that I found in, intriguing. Yeah. Because I got to be honest, I think it was Michael Russo of The Athletic went on X. Oh, hell no. He... He tweeted out the line combinations that we were mm-hmm. going to see in that game on Tuesday, okay? Mm-hmm. Hartman between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Eric Sinek between Boldy and Johansson. Mm-hmm. Rossi between Felino and Goudreau. We'll talk about that in a second because I do, I do want to talk about that. That's, that's not allowable. And then Uccini between Duhame and Letary. Okay. I looked at that and I'm like, really? That's what you're coming back with. Like Hartman's going back off to the first line, but I'm sure they're desperate. They're like, we got to win. We got to win. It was so horse bleep by the third period. Here were your lines. Rossi with Zuccarello and Johansson. Now I will say this. I have no respect for Johansson, but I do like the fact that Hines got his act together and put Rossi with skaters. Yes. You know, like what's he doing on that on a grind line? Mm -hmm. Um, Hartman was put between Felino on the left and Goudreau. That's where he belongs. That's a third line. That that line can grind things out. Um, and then he also put uh, Kaprizov with Erickson Eck, and then I think Boldy was the right wing. At least I liked that more. Like if you're trying, because I didn't understand. Like if you are trying to to desperately win, which by the way I don't think you should be, but it's the Blackhawks. So you're probably accidentally going to win. Um, You know, moving Ryan Hartman up to the first line, a very weird move, but I have another thing too. And I think it's worth talking about. And I understand why they didn't play him, but the fact that they didn't play Declan Chisholm, the kid that they picked off waivers, he's 24 from the jets. Now he has played by my count in eight games this season. Two with the Jets, because he was scratched a ton, because Mm -hmm. the Jets miraculously have not had an injury on the blue line, and six in the American Hockey League. He went on vacation, I guess, during the bye week and break to Miami and didn't skate, because they don't skate during the break, and um, he doesn't play. So we get Goligoski and Merrill. Now, here's where I'm upset, but not upset. I -hmm. want them to lose. I don't think winning does a damn thing. But if you think you're trying to win, like, let's just, let's put ourselves in the shoes of Bill Guerin and probably just as importantly, or more so John Hines, right? H, if you think you're trying to win, you're parading Goligoski and Merrill out there. What are you like? That concerns me for the future when you are better, when you have a chance to win. Yeah. Like, unless you're purposely sabotaging the team, which I could appreciate if, if, if I found that they were, you know, like, oh, we really don't care yeah. about wins. I'm cool with that. 
But if you, if this, these line combinations and that defensive and those two guys playing is really a strategy, I got to be honest, I'm questioning John Hines' strategy here. Yeah, it's, it's very, and maybe you can shed some light on why Adam Beckman was also a a healthy scratch. Because I can't, I've, it was very surprising. That made zero sense to me because he has been shooting the lights out uh, with the AHL squad. And then you bring him up a guy and like, like you said, if the mentality here is we have to win these, this game and, you know, we're seven points out now that now five out from a playoff spot and we need every single advantage and blah, blah, blah. That's the guy to shake it up. So I don't know why he uh, gets the call and then gets the seat (laughs) to Maryland, to Maryland Golgoski though. Help these me. guys, these guys, I have been waiting to like crown them as the second half MVPs because at a certain point, once you wave the white flag, they are the first couple names in the lineup card for the night, in my opinion. Like that is what it is. But if, but if your mentality and what everybody, like the lip service we've gotten is, you know, we're not, we're not going to lie down and just we're take this. We're not done. We still have, you know, we think we have the right squad here. We think we can maybe get a couple wins together. All we have to do is just get hot again and we're right back in this, blah, blah, blah. If that is your mentality, why on earth are you playing Goligoski and Mermis? And will and, and will I, I will say this: Merrill and Mermis they recorded as a pairing last night, thirteen minutes and five seconds of on ice time. They were the most defensively sound line, or def, I should say, pairing, pairing? out of the three. Point one six expected goals against, whereas Goligoski and Bogosian point eight one eight. Um, and Middleton Faber, 0.396. That being said, that top line had five more minutes than everybody else. Right, so, you know, that's to, ex- to be expected. Yep. Mervis and Merrill, last night, for the most part, the eye test at times, I think, fail, failed them. But stat-wise, they actually did a solid job. Down the stretch here, though, if you have these final handful of games before you actually have to make a decision, if you have really told yourself in your heart of hearts that you are a team that can m- make a push for the playoffs, right? Chisholm, Chisholm has to be in. Chisholm has to be in. You, you don't Tonight, pick this guy up with, with the intention of sitting him in the box, sitting him in the press box. Well, and I know Why? he might not be set to play, but are you telling me a, a guy who is 24, and yes, he might be rusty, Yes, okay? this is the but point. But are you this telling me point. that that guy is not preferable God bless him. I'm sure he's a great dad and a great human being to John Merrill. This and if that's is, how you think, how can I trust you in the future? This was not the off season. It's not like he didn't skate for months. It was a right. week and a and half. He, he went to Miami and had a margarita. He did not go like snow. He wasn't snow uh, or like snowshoeing in the Alps. This is incredible. Why are we not playing the guy that, like he said, is 24 years old? He he should be hungry, clamoring at the fact to get in an NHL lineup here, given his uh, his career track record, just a you know lack of games. I'm sure he probably is. The, the, the decision making there baffles me. Chisholm should have been in the lineup, whether he had pneumonia or not. You know, right. get get him in. Those two those two baffle me, and the the two playing uh, Goose and Merrill baffle me. And putting Hartman back with the top line baffled me. And I'm glad that he, you know, I will say this. It feels like John Hines is far quicker to pull the trigger on lines that he doesn't deem are working than Dean was. So I do like that. But, you know, I'm sorry. Ryan Hartman should be on that third line. That is Ryan Hartman. He can grind it out. And the other thing is, if I'm Garen, I, I don't care if he's not perfect. Because I think he works hard. Rossi needs to be top six all the time. Yeah, like but that's that's not a debate. That's not up for discussion to me unless you're trying to teach him a lesson. 
And I will say this. This might be a hot take. Might not be. I don't really care. Um, the Pittsburgh game tonight. There's a very solid chance I would have Matt Boldy sitting with us eating popcorn. Beckman's up. There's nobody on that fourth line who, who should be scratched. Every one of them deserves to play. Beckman's here. I, he needs a wake up. Like you can't, this guy when uh, you know, in, in the Nashville loss and the Ducks loss. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought showed up, played well, but there've been long, but there've been periods where he hasn't. And then to pull that stunt in Chicago, which to me was like the poster child for the Turks and Caicos trip. Um, I'd scratch him. I'd scratch him. I'd send a message right now. No more of this, you know, Greenway back in the day. I mean, he's great now, but it's well past the point in time when he was here. Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna assert myself in these two games, but in this game, I had some I had some real fun during my bye week. I'd scratch him. I'd scratch him because to me, the bigger picture is far more important than any single game. And that's how I get, you know, because I have no interest in trading him. I have zero interest in like pulling the same thing of, okay, Boldy didn't work out. And by the way, I I think he's going to work out. Um, But with Beckman here, I'd say, okay, you're in. Boldy, you're out. Let me ask you this then, because I think maybe some people will counter with if their mindset is that they have to win can you afford to teach that lesson now instead of waiting two weeks when maybe you eventually do wave, wave the white flag or something like that? Do you think tonight is acceptable to do that? Or, you know, is it wait a little while until, okay, trade deadline, we're officially sellers. You know, you we're know no what? longer in the- I think it's ha- having seen this stunt pulled by numerous players in this franchise before, I think sending the message now is the most important thing. I will agree with that. If you're going to send the message, do it in a. It doesn't it, carry it, as much weight in two weeks. Right, right. right now. Oh well, yeah. If you spe- all punt, like if you yes. trade Gustafson and then you're like, "Hey, Boldy, you're scratched." He, he, he's going to go down to Tommy Reed. <laughs> Quite frankly, <laughs> I don't blame him. I might join yeah. him. Get some you know, bad blue. They got some cold ones yeah. at Tommy Reed's. Tommy <laughs> Reed's is a great place. But no, I would send that message now. And you know what? For better or worse, if Beckman gets to play, it's going to work his ass off. That fourth mm-hmm. line worked their ass off. They ain't that good. Actually, Laterry is sneaky good. Yes. I Lucini worked his ass him. off. And and Duham does a lot of things that I don't think like he's far from perfect. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he does a lot of things that we probably don't appreciate. Uh Laterry's got some Laterry's weird. He's a quad A player. Like I bet he is great in the American Hockey League because he's got skills. Yeah. I don't know that those skills can consistently be used up here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, I would send a message. And I mean, this is a guy that you just signed last year to a seven year, $49 million contract that very few people are untouchable here. And I, I don't want to threaten him. I don't want to trade him. I don't want to give up on him. I think he's got, I think he, we've seen far too much, but this game, I would say I would rather have an American hockey league player who's going to work his ass off than and and he'll he'll say, well, I'll work hard tonight. Screw you! It's too late. Like yeah. like you got to learn a lesson here, buddy boy. Where, where was that on Wednesday? Huh? Yeah, yeah. And and the la- they're not good enough for me to really be concerned about this either. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, and I think I think Matthew Boldy will eventually work out. It's just a matter of like getting through. And when he does and work like, out, Agey's great. That's and that's the and thing. I've just been we, getting we, a lot from him. So like last night was inexcusable. 
Yeah, and especially when you post a New York Giants boat picture like you did and come back and have that stinker of a performance, right. that I can I can see why you do want to send that message. Even, even though maybe I disagree about with their timing of it, because if I think end of the day, he probably when he's on his game brings a lot more than Adam Beckman will oh, even hundred percent. Like this is their time to like do or die. Uh, but the, on the other side of the coin is the importance of sending that message tonight. You're taking, taking Mark Andre Fleury night in the crowd, like the rest of the fans right. right now, you are no better than that. Yep. You don't deserve to play tonight. Yep. Like you just showed up against an American hockey league team that masquerades as an NHL team. And you, you know, back to your stats at the top of the show, you provided nothing, you provided mm-hmm. nothing. And we all know that when you do apply yourself, you are a very good player. So, all right. You're going to, you're going to be the, uh, like the agent that snuck into the team picture for Mark Andre Fleury. And I, like they had on when he passed the record initially, like he had Spurgeon and I, and I get it. He's hurt, but yeah. you had some of these guys that were scratched and it's like, you look so out of place here. Like, yes. and it's, it's stick. Yeah. Send the, if, if you want to send that message, I suit and tie, fu- <laughs> suit and tie, baby. Press box. I love that. Press box, dogs. I love that idea. All right, we're done. Um, Judd's Hockey Show. I'm guessing that we'll be back early next week. Uh, by the way, on Tuesday, Kevin Allen Spock, longtime friend of mine who has um, who has authored a book on the Minnesota North Stars magical run to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's uh, coming out later this month in 1990-91. We'll join us for a conversation about his book, and we'll take a trip down at North Star memory lane my guess is age and i though might do a show before then to react to the um to react to the up and down roller coaster ride mostly down that is the wild (laughs) we'll talk to you later